Hello everyone, welcome back to Just Another F1 Podcast here on the Apex Motorsport. My name is Richard Smith and we've just had the Qatar Grand Prix. And joining me today to discuss this one is of course Ryan Caldwell. Ryan, um, I'll put you on the spot as always, your free word race review. Oh wow, I wasn't even, Oh, I really wasn't even expecting it, I forgot all about it. Um, challenging, overtakes, interesting. Okay, that's an interesting take. Um, it was a circuit that uh, we've primarily seen for motorcycle racing in the past. Um, MotoGP, World Superbikes have raced there. Uh, we haven't seen Formula 1 there. I think the last single-seater championship that people would be familiar watching is probably GP2 Asia, when it was a thing, or GP3 Asia, back when Perez and I think Mazepin were racing in that. But uh, we'll jump straight into it and... We obviously knew the race was won by Lewis Hamilton, who has cut the championship lead to, I believe, it's eight points now to Verstappen. But right, yep. just, um, we all know what happened to Hamilton and Sao Paulo, and I think this has given him a burst of energy and a passion now to go and win this title. He is really up for it. Do you, do you agree with that? And do you think that this is really Hamilton laying down a marker to win the, the world championship this year yeah i think he's he's more determined and focused than ever because if we've if we've seen the last you know the start of the season you know it was all energetic you know he had the mindset that oh we're mercedes we're gonna have the advantage and then they got a shock and then he started to get not few not angry with himself but he just was sort of unsure of how to deal with it and and now it seems that come qualifying, come post-race, you know, post-qualifying interviews or post-practice interviews, he's not as energetic, he's not as, you know, as he's not himself. So he's really just got his mind focused on how can I improve, how can I keep ahead, and how can I keep my skills sharp. Even at the end of the race yesterday, like, he didn't, he didn't celebrate as, he didn't celebrate overly as much as what we normally see Hamilton celebrate when he wins. So he's just got this mind focus, I think, that he knows if he makes any mistakes in the race at all, or his team in pit stops, you know, Verstappen will take a massive edge over him. Like, you know, he's still at the advantage, Verstappen, eight points, well, eight points clear, which isn't a lot. It just, all it takes is for Verstappen to retire and Lewis to, you know, even finish, what, third, and he goes, he goes pretty much on top. So it's like, Oh, focus time. I think Lewis could pull this back and it is definitely going to go down to the to the wire. Well, there is only two races left off the season. We have a race in Saudi Arabia and Abu Dhabi to, uh, to come. And yeah, I think Hamilton, he's in the, I think he's in the best form at the moment he has been all season. And I think the incident in Sao Paulo was a little bit of a wake-up call for him because we, we've seen each and every week Verstappen increase his championship lead. It, he's been slowly extended with him winning races and Hamilton finishing second. But that's now two race wins in a row for Lewis Hamilton. And do you agree with me that momentum has really swung from Red Bull look like they're going to get an easy double championship to Mercedes actually look now definitely in the driver's side that they're more likely to win? Yeah, I think... Uh, Red Bull have spent too much time, you know, faffing about with Mercedes, uh, to realize that oh, we need to really, really focus and knuckle down because these next two tracks, you know, Mercedes have a high speed advantage, and like we've seen in Qatar, that long straight, 
Mercedes did have an advantage over the Red Bull. However, it did seem to equal out further on in the race. Whatever was going on, I don't know. But Verstappen was still catching at, at points when Hamilton was still on push laps. So it was quite confusing to see that they were complaining about straight line speed when they're still quite close. But Mercedes do still have a stronger straight line speed than Red Bull. So it's like, how can they let this go if they don't focus hard enough because Verstappen all it takes as I'm saying is is one mistake or one technical problem that that makes him not finish the race and Lewis just has to get a few points here and there and he's won he's won as uh I'm gonna eight eight yes eight isn't it eighth title you know they, they could literally hand it to him on a plate if they don't focus and make sure everything is right for the next race and the the last race in Abu Dhabi. Now we know Abu Dhabi as it always tends to be a boring race, but it's predominantly known it's a Mercedes track as well. Even though it is tight neck corners, which seems to be faster for the Red Bull, Mercedes always find a way of winning it one way or another. So Red Bull really need to optimize for the next race in Saudi Arabia. Well, we know that going into the next race, Max Verstappen can clinch the, the Drivers' Championship. Um, if he wins and gets the fastest lap, and Lewis Hamilton is sixth, Max Verstappen will be world champion. If Max Verstappen wins the race, and Lewis Hamilton is seventh, Max Verstappen will be world champion. Uh, if Max finishes second with the fastest lap, Lewis has to finish inside the top ten. And... If Hamilton crashes out or doesn't finish the race or doesn't even score points, Max Verstappen will be world champion with a second place finished. It is possible, although it might come seem quite realistic. Um, but it's I think Hamilton in about three years there's only been one race where he hasn't finished and only one ra- two races where he hasn't finished or been inside the points. So I think history will tell us that. Hamilton should keep the lead, or not not the lead, sorry, uh, the championship battle going on to the final race. But, Ryan, do you think that we could see Verstappen potentially pick up the title in Saudi Arabia? It's probable, but I don't see it happening. I think it's still going to be a very close-knit battle right to, the, right to Abu Dhabi. I think whatever happens, you know, next, next isn't it? Ah, it's next week or this week, I can't There's remember. Two, two weeks, two-week break. After this yeah, because long they, triple header. Because they, they still haven't built the track. <laughs> yeah. Um no, I, I do feel that I feel that Mercedes and Lewis will keep the fight going right to the end. Yeah, it's it's definitely gonna be interesting. Ryan, where would you put this? We in the hybrid era there hasn't been too many championship battles. We've seen Fatal have a couple of goes. But would you say that this is probably the best championship battle we've seen in at least well the last ten or at least five years, potentially even ten years? Yeah, well, the hybrid era started in twenty fourteen, and since then we've we have really seen eight of those ye- well seven of those years have been Mercedes dominance. So already you're looking like well, yikes! You know, out of seven years, it's just all Mercedes, and it's like oh, well. Here we go. Could this be an eighth? I think will there be a ninth? Hopefully not with the new technical regulations. I nearly said something else there. Uh, I don't know. But I do feel that this is probably the closest we've had yet and probably the most down to the wire 
championship season we've had so far, which is it's good, and it is building its uh, momentum. Can't wait to see how Drive to Survive uh, portrays this season. <laughs> yeah. But no, it'll. I think it is probably one of the closest seasons we've had yet. Yeah, I agree on that. You know, obviously the twenty sixteen battle between Hamilton and Rosberg was quite good. Went down to the final race, but. It's been a while since we've had that, and I think this year it's a nice way to see out the hybrid era. It's something I've, I've said multiple times before. Um, but when we go back to the race, Max Verstappen, Red Bull, um, I think at, at times they looked like they had a very quick race car, but Hamilton was just so far out in the lead. Ryan, do you think Verstappen, he was always just going to get second? We all, we know he got a penalty, but do you think even without that penalty, you know, for the grid penalty, that he would have just finished second anyway, or do you think he had a realistic chance given the sort of overpowered turn one overtaking that we've seen? I think if he didn't get that penalty, obviously he would have been starting uh, second, second at that second point. Good, yeah. And if you look at how many places he made on his first, you know, his first uh, first corner performance, he he pretty much took three cars in in the one go. And if that had been him versus Lewis, he would have probably ended up leading that race. And chances are Lewis probably would have come back at him. But Max is very ignorant. And I don't think on lap two, he's going to give that position up very easily. So we could have actually seen a, a different, it go a different way had Max lined up second beside Hamilton. I, it's just a, it's one of those races where, you know, the what if... What if Max had started second? What if Max had actually started third and was able to slipstream Lewis? You know, what could have happened? I do think he could have taken that race had he had, you know, a better starting position. But at the same time, I think Red Bull might have gotten a bit cocky with their strategy and somehow would have still messed it up to put Mercedes in favour of winning it. <laughs> yeah, and I think going to a circuit like, um, like in Qatar where... There's been no real previous single-seater racing that's of the level of Formula 1, and there's no real comparison. And I think we all went going into this track thinking there'd be very little overtaking. And apart from Turn 1, there was very little overtaking, but cars seem to follow very well in this circuit, which, you know, if th- this will be a circuit that won't be on the calendar next year, will probably be in the calendar for... 23, 24, maybe 25 before they move to a purpose-built track for Formula 1. It, it's showing maybe that for circuits that you know, are designed primarily for motorbikes, that they might actually be good for single-seater racing because cars can actually follow on them, unlike some of the purpose-built Formula 1 tracks where over or following cars is just difficult. But Ryan, do you think that it's a circuit that provided good racing or was the turn one overtaking just do we need more of that across the track i wouldn't even say just turn one like obviously everyone's wanting to see it because most of the people do sit at the start finish straight to obviously try and get the best chance at seeing the the podium so for them fans obviously you know having that battle right on the straight is interesting for them but at the same time you know everyone wants to see a wee bit of racing in action uh take Silverstone there's pretty much two really good opportunities of passing so that's two sides where in Qatar you you really did just have the main straight obviously there was a few chances where you could have gotten past going into certain well exiting certain corners if you were close enough 
but it was just a really difficult circuit to pass on other than coming into you know turn one turn two it, it, it was just a a semi decent track i do feel that some bike tracks actually could fit uh formula one quite well um i don't know it, it it's sort of a 50 50 thing in my mind yeah um obviously it was great to see fernando Alonso back on the podium as well i think 2014 hungarian grand prix was the last time he stepped foot on the podium he obviously had a two-year and break as well but it's the first time he's on the podium since he made his return and he started p3 helped by penalties for uh, bottas and verstappen and signs all they all got penalties um well, pierre gasly was started in the front row which was nice to see as well but alonso was the driver who sort of sent it in during on lap one got past gasly and looked very comfortable throughout the race and, and third what did you make of fernando alonso's race round I think Fernando probably had one of the best races out of everyone else on the grid simply because he managed to stretch his tyres longer than anyone else did and I know we're going to talk about that in a wee minute or so. Alonso, I think it was about time. Everyone was sort of expecting it to happen but we didn't expect it to happen so late. We thought, you know, before Esteban had would have run a race we would have seen Fernando on the podium but it was quite the other way around. Hats off to Fernando though, because Ocon would never have won his race if he wasn't defending Lewis that whole time. I found it interesting too, he went on the team radio to tell Esteban to defend like a lion, (laughs) to basically, you know, make sure that he tried to hold up uh, Perez as much as he could. And to be fair, he, he did try as best as he could and he even did push coming out of turn one when Perez got past him. So to be fair, he did try as probably as best as he could obviously there he could have tried a wee bit more awkwardness around the circuit taking a different line but at the same time then you've you run onto the risk of you know dangerous driving in the circuit and whatnot so i think fernando probably did have the best race out of pretty much nearly everyone else on the grid what have you made of Alpine's season so far because we know that they're fifth in the constructor standings and they're they're quite far off McLaren here in fourth, but they have I think it's a twenty five point gap ahead of Alpha Tauri. That's you know, that's obviously a race win, but when they're usually not fighting for podiums, they're fighting for the small points um on offer. Do you think that they've sewn up that P five and just what have you made of their season? Because we've seen a race win and, and a podium for them, which for me has been quite impressive. It is impressive in the sense of, you know, it's Fernando and Ocon. It's a decent driving parent, driver parent. They get on quite well. But if you take it back to how Renault was performing last year, we still had a couple podiums. So it was like they haven't really progressed much in terms of the car, but as a team they've progressed better. Whether that's because they've putting they've put so much focus into next year's car, and I I like how every you know we hear all the time oh Mercedes is about next year's car and Red Bull about next year's car and McLaren about next year's car how much time they're sort of if they're wasting too much time developing this year or next year but we don't really hear about Al uh Alpine I was about to say AlphaTauri <laughs> Alpine I think they're going to be a quiet uh, dark horse next year I think they've been you know they're obviously 
the constructor backing of Renault because it's the Renault Sports division. I think they've got something up their sleeves for next year with an upgraded power unit and some fancy aerodynamics. Obviously, the French electricals is one thing that is joked about in my area of work, the French electronics. So hopefully we don't ever see any problems with that. But I think they have a good chance coming up next season. But in terms of this season, I think their performance has been quite average. Yes, it's good to see that Esteban gets you know a race win and Fernando's on the podium. That's some mega points for them, especially with uh, Ocon finishing P5 as well. They got some major points, and I think that's pretty much it finished because I can't see AlphaTauri, you know, gaining 25 points in the next two races, even with both cars, without Alpine still scoring maybe one or two points to just keep that advantage up. So there's very there's a very little chance that anyone else will get it. So I think their P5 is secured. We've seen... Alpine announced that Oscar Piastri will be the reserve driver for next season. I think that is replacing Daniel Kvyat. I don't think they'll have two reserve drivers. They may, they may do, not if it's been confirmed like that just yet. But Oscar Piastri is likely to win the Formula 2 championship. And many believe he should have a seat in Formula 1 next season. Because we've seen Guan Hu get a seat at Alfa Romeo. Um, we've seen the likes of Mick Schumacher and Nikita Mazepin get seats for this season, uh, Yuki Tsunoda as well, but Piastri hasn't got a seat. Um, the last time a F2 champion hasn't got a seat was Nick DeFries, who then went on to be Formula E world champion. But Ryan, do you think that both Alonso and Alcon have justified their their seats for next season, or do you think it should have been uh, Piastri should have had a chance, and if you think he did, which driver would you have replaced? I think Alpine are quite happy with the driver pairing they have. You know, there's a good team chemistry, and it's very rare that we see Fernando Alonso get on with his teammate, as we have seen in the past with him and Hamilton. <laughs> uh, you know, his teammates, he just doesn't seem to get on very well in a team situation, to say the least. But this year, he's really comfortable, and I think that's helped the team dynamic as well. Esteban's putting in some decent results. Uh, he ha he does struggle on qualifying, but so does Fernando a little bit. I think it's just down to the car and uh, not getting the right opportunities at the right time. But I feel that if 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 he if Oscar Piastri was to come in to the right, I did say the right name there, didn't I? Yes, yes, you did. Yeah, I I was doubting myself. I was like, did I say the right? Yeah, yeah. But no, I do think if Piastri was to come in. As a, a full-time driver, not just a, a, a Nico Hulkenberg standby driver, um, I, I think he would probably take Fernando's spot because I think Esteban still has a, a lot of development in him to really grow his skills. He's learnt a lot from Fernando, but I feel that whenever Fernando realises that you know he's happy now to finish up, because we've seen Kimi go this year, I can see maybe Alonso possibly going next year. All things depending on whether he's still, you know, retaining success or not. I think if Piastri still hangs out for one more season, he might get moved in. Obviously, next year, we don't know, because there's such a big uh, technical change coming in and a new car design, etc. You know, we don't exactly know how it's going to play out yet. But things could play out well, and I think he would might just set out that extra season just to get that chance at being in a team that could possibly, you know, could prove really well. Obviously, we have to see how next season goes. But if they do well, and they're starting to just put out some good results, I I myself would go. You know what? 
I'm happy being a reserve driver because I know I'm going to get a chance in a decent car come, you know, two seasons time. So it's, it's, I think it'd be worth it for him just to wait and not put pressure on it being, you know, oh, I'm going to move to another team because you're not giving me the seat next year. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, it would be great to see Oscar Piastri get his chance in Formula 1 at some stage. And it's the same as the likes of Nick DeFries. They're two quality drivers who I don't think... I think they both deserve to be on the grid, but with only 20 seats and a money, money playing a lot in, in most of them seats, it always limits their opportunities. Um, you know, Grand Hugo is getting a seat and primarily backed by £30 million of sponsorship. But as I've said, you know, this debate of pay drivers, you can pay your way to get the seat, but you can't pay your, for your shipper licence. You have to earn your shipper licence, so you need to have that level of ability to to compete at a high level um, with the money helping you get there. So to get the Formula 1, you still need to be a very good driver because um, you need to get the super license. But uh, we've seen a lot of tyres uh, blowing up during the weekend, Ryan. Uh, well, not really during the weekend. Uh, during the latter stages of the Grand Prix um, on Sunday, um, it was very Silverstone 2020-esque um, where... <laughs> You know, Hamilton had to go in the final half of the lap, final full lap really, um, on three wheels. Um, were you surprised? Uh, I think Bottas is the first driver to get a puncher. Uh, yep. We've seen Gasly get a puncher in qualifying as well. That brought out. We didn't really even discuss that. We discussed that at first actually. Um, the the penalties for Verstappen, uh, for Perez. Uh, no, not Perez. Sorry, Signs and Bottas. Uh, Verstappen got a. Uh, five place grid penalty for for not respecting double we have yellow flags. Bottas got a three place penalty for not respecting single yellow flags, and Sainz uh, actually didn't get a penalty at all. He was he got away with it. Church, but but got away with it. Um, uh, Ryan, just do you do you think them penalties were justified, or do you think that you know it it was a blind corner? The cars couldn't really see Gasly. Um and they they made avoid an action or do you think rules are rules anything on the yellow flags just is you have to slow down no matter what the incident is. You see, I do agree with what Christian Horner did say, and Mercedes could have also argued this as well because if you were watching it, you know, on TV at that time, you can see it go from yellow to green saying track clear and then it goes back to yellow so you know it's a very quick situation where you're doing your fast flying lap you look down and you see it's yellow and you see it's sector three you're still in sector two next thing you see it flash green so you're like oh it must be okay so you put your head down and you focus even harder you're not like yes the boards are going to be out but in that sort of situation you're not going to be entirely focused on what's actually going on if you see if the last thing you've seen is a green you know, you think it's it's good to go, but obviously it came back on, and then it went to double wave yellows from single wave yellows. At the same time, you know, you you can't argue because rules are rules. If double wave yellows are are out, that means slow down, prepare to stop, and then single wave yellows is you know, uh, caution. There's a hazard or a danger on track. Uh, so be aware. You know, I. I Gasly at the same time, he was well out of the way, he was nowhere near the racing line, he was pretty much pulled over as tight as he could to the line to get you know himself out of the way, 
I felt that they still could have counted their laps because coming around that final corner, he was on the straight. They're just hammering it down as fast as they can. I would have counted the laps and I just would have said, hey, you know, everything, safety precautions was taken. They seen the car. It was at the side of the track. They were well away from the track. There was no obvious hazards apart from a sitting car on track. But realistically, no one's going to come around that corner and somehow hit it when they're all taking a wide line out to the left when he's tight packed to the right. So I do feel that there was possibly a wee bit of grey area of, you know, it was acceptable, but it wasn't. But at the, at the end of the day, as you said, rules are rules. FIA makes the decision. But I do feel that Max shouldn't have got a heavier penalty compared to Bottas. The only reason Bottas got a different penalty to Verstappen was because of the way they came around the, the final corner. If Verstappen was on Bottas's tail, you know, at the same time when it was still single wave yellows, we'd, we'd have a different argument going on. Uh, it's, it's one of those things, isn't it, though, that Red Bull always would try to contest. You know, it's not fair. Horner will have his little speak on TV and be himself. But I do feel that, you know, there is that possibility that it could have just been the same penalty for him and Bottas because it was the same scenario situation still don't know how Sainz got away with it he must have just backed off just enough whenever he he realized oh uh oh my dash is flashing yellow <laughs> so I don't know what happened but I do feel you know it, it could have went either either way and obviously we've seen Christian Horner make remarks about a rogue marshal and he was called to the stewards after the Grand Prix about it and I think he's offered to do a day's marshal which would be quite interesting and um, might help them see the incredible work that, that they do and they put their lives on the line as well. They can't really just be calling them out for trying to help a car that's got punctured. But for, from Galaxy's point of view, what an incredible way to end the qualifying session. You, you punch your tyre, you get back to the pits, and then because of you going too slowly, it's meant that the cars in front of you have all got penalties and you're st all of a sudden starting in the front row alongside Lewis Hamilton. It's not a, a bad way to um, for your Sunday to go? Uh, it, it seems a wee bit uh, Charles Leclerc-esque Monaco spec. The uh, yeah. only difference yeah. is, is that uh, Gasly had no control over the tyre and Charles had control over his car. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> um, we'll go quickly back to the, the punchers now. Um, do, do you think that because it's a track that we've never raced on before, Ryan Pirelli didn't really understand the tyres that well and going forward, that's uh, something that we won't really see repeat again? Um, I, I, I slightly disagree with that because, well, obviously I didn't see an infographic or I didn't actually look it up to see what they had said, but according to uh, Ted Kravitz, or it might have been Crofty, I can't remember who was speaking at the time, uh, they did say Pirelli recommends that these tyres should last 30 laps. Now, obviously we've seen Bottas's go, I think it was at 31 or 32, and then we've seen the two Williams go at 32 and 33, so it was like, ah... They were right. They did. They did say you know thirty laps would be the max, and people pushed it. Obviously, Fernando he got away with it miraculously. Miraculously, I can't. Why can't I say that word? <laughs> miraculously. <laughs> there we go. But you know, Pirelli were actually quite on the balls. You know, saying thirty laps, and the punctures happened after thirty laps. So I think Pirelli actually hit the nail on the head for once. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, Pirelli's predictions were were quite good, and I mind him saying before the race that there's absolutely no way anyone can one stop this race. So 
fair play to Alonso, he managed him well. Obviously, the late virtual safety car probably helped with that, and we've been interested Massively. to see if, if if his tires would have lasted um, that long. Um, but right, I think we'll get into some predictions now for Saudi Arabia. Uh, brand new track, looks a very fast track, and for that reason, I'm going to kick off by the predictions by going to Lewis Hamilton pole position. Expected. Yep. Uh, I'm going to go Valtteri Bottas. Okay, he isn't. He isn't very good form in the moment. Bottas, obviously, the yeah. country didn't help, and you know, he once he got um, Toro on the phone, he actually told him to hurry up a little bit. He did hurry he up. Was, <laughs> yeah, he did, and he he very quickly uh, climbed through the, the the order. So I think Bottas, he's two more races for Mercedes. He probably want to go out with one more race win. Um, it'd be nice to see him win one more race, um, or at least get on the podium for the final two races of the season, or a pole position, just something, because there's a potentially a walk away with seven consecutive Constructors' Championships, which, for a driver who has always been the second driver, that's just justifying that you're, you're doing your job correctly, and he's he's obviously um, had some wins himself uh, during his time in series as well. Hasn't really been able to fight for the title, but He's been a solid driver and done exactly what was required of him. But Ryan, I'll let you choose your podium. So who will be joining Valtteri Bottas? Oh well, this was oh this was no this is just pole position. I never said my winner yet. Oh yes, uh, yeah I completely forgot about that. It's one race winner. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, um, for the simple fact, I I I want to see this go down to the wire. I want to say Max Verstappen. I know it won't, okay. but I'm going to say it anyway. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go for Lewis one, with yeah, fastest lap. So, so um, and then my podium will be for Stappen, uh, Bottas, which means level going in to Abu Dhabi. Interesting. So who's Ooh. joining Max? Ah uh, well, the obviously would be Lewis right behind him. As so predictable. Max has not won the title. Well, not not at this race, no. Yes, yeah. And third place? Third place. Um, I get a feeling it could end up like last week, so I don't think... I do, I, well, I'm not that unexpected, so I don't think Sergio's going to get close uh, just because of how he struggled. Um, I don't think Bottas will be there, but I'm trying to think of who could fill that position quite nicely. I think we might see a Ferrari. I know see, it's I high speed. Yeah, I know I know it's high speed, but I think for some reason Carlos Sainz over over Charles Leclerc, I think Sainz might pick something up. Very unlikely. I wouldn't even put a five pound bet on it and that would be and that would even if I had a million pound I still wouldn't put a five on it to happen, yeah. but uh I'm just gonna say it anyway. Spice things up yeah. a little. Yeah, I'm usually one who predicts a Ferrari, Ferrari. on the podiums. So. Yeah, uh, podium after that we go fastest lap and this is where I think the fastest lap point comes in. I think it'll be Lewis Hamilton fastest lap. Yeah, and I think it's going to be Max. Okay, interesting. This is very exciting. If this, if either of these predictions come true, it's going to be quite exciting. So, Ram wild card, um, something you know, completely random. Hmm. Let's see. Who haven't I picked this season as a driver? Um, 
Well, what are you ah. thinking? I'm going to say mine, and I'm going to go Pierre Gasly will qualify in the top three. Okay, that's fair. I'm gonna put. I'm gonna put out a really bold one here. Go for it. Kimi Raikkonen and the points. Okay. Yeah, that would be a good one. Um, nice way for him to end his career as well. Obviously, retiring at the end of the season. But yeah, Ren, any final thoughts um, before um, we head on to Saudi Arabia? Saudi Arabia. Uh, I think we might see another display of Lewis and his uh, appreciation. That we've seen the, this weekend. Yeah, the helmet, um, um, of course. Very, very likely. Um, uh, what did you think of it? I thought, you know, eh, good idea. But, yeah. Sort of. Yeah, sort of yeah. way. He didn't make too much of a fuss of it. He, and, I, I was uh, expecting it to be a wee bit awkward, you know, because yeah. all of the, you know, well, I'm not, well, you, you had all of that community. At that race, pretty much, obviously, apart from the fans who managed to get in and who travelled, who managed to get into uh, Qatar or near Qatar. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I, it, it was interesting because I was like, "There's bound to be some something. Something's going to happen over it. Something has to happen. Yeah. Maybe we'll see it at Saudi because Saudi's yeah, more strict on that. So I actually think, yeah. you know, Lewis might have been told, "Yeah, you're not allowed that." They might, they might not. I think Qatar, you know, they're opening things up a wee bit more because they're expecting the World Cup, so they have yep. to put on this nice, happy, smiley face, you know, pretend everything that goes against their, I suppose, religion is, is fine in their country for the next two years. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I thought I would just bring that up too, just as a wee, yeah. you know, hashtag blessed uh, talking point. And obviously we've seen, you know, David Beckham and co there with the World Cup because it's, well, the day of the Grand Prix was exactly one year until the World Cup and it's going to be very weird seeing a World Cup this time of year. Um, but yeah, it's uh, being in Qatar, so it'll be awkward time zones, awkward um, days and um, right in the middle, I think the finals a couple of days before Christmas, so that'll be something a little bit different and we'll obviously not have a race there next year because of the World Cup but we will from 2023 in a 10-year deal, so that will be interesting. And if the race is as it was uh, this weekend over the next 10 years, i say we'll take that. It, it was a decent enough race and um, definitely one that you know, we'll remember for the tyre punches and you know, the, the Red Bull and Mercedes battle, keeping up that a little bit more. But yeah, Ryan, thank you so much for joining me for today's podcast. And, uh, well... I keep forgetting, uh, for forgetting about it. So your traditional ending, please. Yeah, I was just, uh, I was just looking. Um, it, it, okay, maybe the website's wrong, but it's showing here Mexico, Brazil, and Qatar. There has been no spins. I'm not yes. sure that's entirely right. No way. Has he learned? He must have done. Okay. I know the last well, podcast I said, uh, I said just on your behalf that it'd be Mazepin no spin. So they are correct. Yeah. With that one, so yeah. Well, uh, then I'll just the say, I would like to make another prediction of Mazaspin, no spin. Okay, interesting. So, yeah, uh, thank you, everyone, uh, for listening to this podcast. Uh, we've only got a couple more left of the season, and this season has, has really flown in. This is, I think, episode 27 of the podcast. So, yeah, thank you, everyone, who's listened and supported us so far. And, um, yeah, and we'll hope you will join us all next time for 
the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix for the first ever time. Goodbye.